0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Net Worth Podcast, where we're finally, after a long, long, long break, going to talk about some NBA. What do you think, Spray? Are you excited to talk about the association?
1: Yeah, I think it's been great lately. I think we had a, we missed the Christmas Day, so we haven't talked since then. Uh, good games there, and um, some of the prime times have fallen short, but I think last night was an example that there's a lot of good regular season basketball that I think is being glossed over. And I thought last night was an example. We had two great games on uh, primetime. One of,
0: the, one of the things that I bristle against um, is when people try to tell me that the regular season is always terribly boring and that the NBA players don't play defense and all that kind of crap. I mean, not every NBA game is interesting. Of course it's not. Every NBA team is interesting. Not every NFL game is exciting. It's ridiculous. So I think that we have had some pretty good examples recently of some great games. None more exciting than what we had last night. And we thought we'd start there. Talk about the two big games we had last night. The first being the Philadelphia 76ers, much to my surprise, spread. um, Going down at the beginning of the game. I'm trying to see here. They were down about nine points or so at halftime. End up winning the game by nine themselves. I'm sorry, actually by eleven. Pretty impressive performance. No Joel Embiid for the 76ers. We know what he means to them, not just defensively, but offensively as well. Um, Pretty impressive, again, given the comebacks. What were your thoughts as you were watching?
1: So I wanted to know, is this more, I was trying to decide in my head, is this more of a referendum for me against the Boston Celtics, or is this more, was I more impressed with the 76ers? Um, Boy, Ben Simmons was fun watching him just run a team, uh, surrounded by shooters. You really got an idea to see uh, the great vision he has. He, had, You know, one play, I think he had a nice little fake to the three-point shooter, and he tried to throw an alley-oop. And um, what's your backup center's name that starts with a P? How do I pronounce it?
0: Uh, Powell or Pell? No- yeah. L- uh Norvell yeah. Pell.
1: Yeah, Norvell. Uh, he didn't even see the pass coming. I mean, that's how well Simmons disguised it. But I can imagine if these guys started playing together more um, and getting to know each other better under Simmons' leadership that – he could really be fun running a team. I thought it was an interesting glimpse if they ever do try and um, split up the Simmons-Embiid pairing. Um, positives I took from the game from the 76ers. Wow, is their perimeter de- defense fantastic? I mean, uh, they just do great job denying on the ball. Uh, the Celtics were not able to get into the sets they want, and a lot of times had to sh- uh, settle for contested shots, uh, whether they'd be uh, – you know, weak mid-range shots or contested three-point shots. So really impressed with the Sixers' D. That brought me to what I was not impressed with, and that was the Celtics' defense. So, you know, we think about the Sixers-Celtics matchup we've talked about as a possible playoff matchup, and I've always said my problem was that they didn't have a center to defend Embiid. Well, Embiid wasn't in there last night, and the Sixers, not in the first half, but in the second half, pretty much got to the rim at will. And, uh, you know, the most easy shot in basketball is a layup, and they were just giving up layups all night. So the lack of rim protection was so obvious. Enos Cantor was almost unplayable um, against your lineup without Embiid. And um, that was my takeaways. What did you think
0: about it? From a Celtics perspective, I think, you know, what you said, this is a little bit of a referendum against the Celtics. I thought that last night was their chance to beat the Sixers and do something pretty special. They're pretty much back to full strength, the Sixers not having Embiid. But what I saw last night from a Sixers perspective was really interesting. Brett Brown may or may not have been responsible for this, but um, something a little creative on offense. Instead of having Simmons really run the offense, they had Josh Richardson initiating a ton. I want to ask you something, spray How many assists do you think Ben Simmons had last night? uh i'm probably like six, three. Oh, really yeah he only had three richardson had seven he also had 10 free throw attempts i love the way richardson was initiating the offense attacking the basket i thought he was actually one of the most impressive players on the floor last night but it was a great game for simmons and something i think we've talked about a little bit but our buddy d money seems to think that uh i never have ever talked about this but i swear we've talked about it on here ben simmons might be one of the best centers in the nba Um, it's kind of weird to think about that. But when you you look at his game from an offensive perspective, he's a great post-up player. He's a really good offensive rebounder. Um, he's picking, he's a great He sets a solid screen, rolls really well to the basket. I thought that's what you saw a lot of last night. And he was aggressive. He was gone after Kemba Walker in the post. He was rolling hard to the basket. He was running. He was attacking over and over again. I don't know what it is uh, that motivates him. But from time to time, he has these nights where he's just all out, going after everything as hard as he can, and that was last night. Um, you know, So those kind of two things, that new wrinkle of Richardson being kind of the lead ball handler, initiating the offense, is really, really interesting. I've been concerned about him all year and his inability to kind of find a place. I know we've heard a lot about Horford, but Richardson was actually my bigger concern. And then it was nice to see Ben Simmons be aggressive.
1: I mean, I completely agree. I was thinking the same exact thing. Uh, On Simmons, I don't think that he could carry the weight of the multiple minutes, but for a small ball five and maybe a closing lineup, I think you're on to something. He almost reminded me of Draymond Green on defense, the way he was able to roam around um, and move effectively, clogging passing lanes, um, sagging off his man. it was almost like the exact things that he would do to exploit himself. If he was defending himself, he was able to, to do them to some of the Celtics players. So, yeah, I completely agree. And I really thought that it was it was fun to watch. Now, obviously, um, the Sixers and the Celtics have these, these home road splits, you know, uh, where the Celtics play better at home and are not as good on the road and the, the Sixers vice versa. So I'm trying not to take too much into the game. But I'll tell you what, it was hard for me to really think – of Boston as a legitimate contender after watching that last night, and it, uh, I'm trying not to overreact, but I'm you know I'm kind of downgrading them in my mind after that performance.
0: It really shows what they need. I, I thought what you talked about in terms of them having a big man and not just someone offensively, but really a defensive presence. They don't have anybody that slows you down as you're going towards the rims. It, it's really tough for them to guard anybody. And you look at their starting lineup. I mean, at, at this point, you know they've got Theus, Tatum, Hayward, Walker, and Brown. I, that's They really, that team really did struggle defensively. And the only reason that they were ahead early in the game is because they hit just about every stinking three-pointer they took. But once that slowed down and the Sixers got them into a grind, they really couldn't do much. Um, And I think you're right. You have to downgrade the Celtics. We thought... Earlier in the season, that as they were kind of peaking a little bit early, playing some of their best basketball, they might be a contender. But there's some move, and you know we're not going to talk a lot, if at all, about trades here today. I think there's plenty of content to float around in the world. So instead of making spread dizzy, we'll uh, try to (laughs) avoid that too much. But you got to think the Celtics are looking for some sort of piece from a big man perspective. It's hard to figure out who that is. There isn't really um, kind of that perfect piece for them out there. You know, Andre Drummond comes to mind, but you got to wonder if he really helps them. I mean, defensively, obviously, he's very good. I wonder what they do offensively. And then, you know, as a Sixers fan, from that perspective, Joel Embiid is not too concerned about Drummond, but maybe somebody like that. But the Celtics, in their current form, are not championship contenders, in my opinion.
1: Right, because I was surprised that, that when the small ball lineup going into the matchup in my head, and I didn't play it, I was very concerned about going against the Sixers, um, you know, at home. But... Uh, I didn't give it out as a play, I mean. But um, it was just tough to take to take Boston. And you would think that the, with the small ball lineup, that Boston would be better. But when you watched it on the floor, they weren't. You know, well, in the first half, it was kind of how, how I expect if I were to handicap it and were to play it, that Boston's small ball lineup would be better than the Sixers' small ball lineup, which is essentially what you had. But in the second half, it didn't appear to be that way at all. And uh, just really disappointed in their inability to get it done. Um, Smart's a great defender, but he's easily avoided, right? I mean, they, you just whoever he's getting defended on, you just take him out of the play. And if you have multiple weapons on offense, you know it's pretty easy to get around him. Uh, Tate and him and Brown definitely they have they've shown flashes, but we definitely didn't see him right last night. And Kemba, like most uh, scoring first point guards, is is you know someone they need to work around
0: defensively as well. Yeah, there's definitely some holes there. Defensively, they have some challenges. Offensively, they have a lot of talent, but a lot of guys that I think can be contained. And and the Sixers lineup, again, matches up very, very well. A lot of length, a lot of athleticism. Um, You know, they had a couple lineups last night where you had Richardson, you had Simmons, you had Thibel on the floor. I mean, that's, that's really tough. Horford is well out there. That's a lot of long, active arms, swiping at balls, reaching, grabbing for things, getting in the way, so... Um, tough game for the Celtics. Really impressive from my standpoint for the Sixers. I saw a little bit of uh, innovation on the offensive end, which is very rare. So hopefully, Brett Brown, we continue to see more and more of that. Any other thoughts on this game spread?
1: No, I just uh, transition to the next game. So I thought both games had a playoff atmosphere. I thought that the Sixers-Celtics um, game had a playoff atmosphere on the floor for the whole game. I felt that this next game we're going to talk about, the Rockets and the Thunder, had a playoff atmosphere building up to the game, but that the game kind of failed to produce uh, the playoff feeling.
0: What did you think? I was confused. The Rockets really played terrible. I mean, they looked really, really bad. I don't know if it's because they were trying to feed the ball to Westbrook so much. I mean, 26 field goal attempts for him, only 17 for Harden. Um, Weird night for Harden, weird night for the Rockets. Um, you know, Weser West book night in Oklahoma city had a big celebration for him. You saw all the videos of him being pumped and freaking out and blah, 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 but just an absolute egg laid by the Rockets.
1: Right. And, um, I, you know, first of all, the Rockets retired but second game back to back, you know, whatever NBA players can't play two nights in a row, um, You know, throw that out the window. But I was really impressed by Oklahoma City. Like I said, in the first game, I I was kind of unsure what to take out of this. I actually didn't downgrade the Rockets that much, um, just with all the hype, the emotion, and maybe not playing their best game plan. Um, But, you know, that's that's a one-time thing. It's not going to happen again. But Oklahoma City kind of had those same issues, right? A hype game, the Chris Paul revenge game, and they were able to handle it quite well. And what it did to me is it made me uh, I didn't downgrade the Rockets, but I definitely am upgrading the Thunder in my mind. I already was enjoying backing them. They're on a great streak, um, not only winning the game straight up, but against the spread as well. They're covering for us. And so I was already kind of big on the Thunder. And we had talked in the off-season that, um, you know, that they had actually had a pretty good starting five. They had no depth. And that, I think that's starting to prove out. I think the starting five is really good.
0: Starting five is excellent for the Thunder. Chris Paul having himself a really nice season. Gallinari looks like he's healthy. He continues to make just about every shot he takes. Steven Adams is Steven Adams. He just goes out every night, plays good defense, is tough, doesn't care whether he gets the ball. Shea Gilders Alexander continues to get better and better and better. Um, mm-hmm. Just a lot of fun there. And then the fifth guy, Ferguson, has been solid. You can put Schroeder on the floor with those guys. He's been great. Muscal um, is not bad as a shooter um, Diallo's been getting a lot of minutes for whatever reason I do think that the depth is going to get them at some point and I wonder if there are some injuries to come You know, as good as they're playing we know that Chris Paul and his body tends to fall apart a little bit so let's see if he can keep this going for the entire season and I hope he can I think that the Thunder can be a really fun 7 maybe even a 6 seed We'll talk a little bit about the West playoffs and the standings in a little bit, but they've got a good hold there on the 7th seed, could possibly even sneak up to six, and I think that they would make for a really fun playoff series. And I don't see them beating a lot of teams. So they could definitely uh, make it interesting for a game or two.
1: Yeah, I definitely think they could, especially because the depth will be less of an issue uh, in the playoffs when you get more time off in between games, especially in the first round. Cause like you said, even if they don't make it out of the first round, a lot of times there's, uh, two games off in between games. So for an older team, that will be great. And, uh, I could see them definitely stretching someone to seven games and being someone that we might be backing a lot, grabbing points in the playoffs, but great team going forward. And I think that I'm going to continue to be backing this team until either, you know, they slow down or the market reacts because, um, because of their earlier numbers, if you if you do in your model, if you just sort by last five or last ten, they're one of the best teams in the league. If you sort heavier, you know, for full season, you know, they're still right around the middle. And I think the books are sorting for full season still. And so if you're um, using it last ten like I am a lot, that they they look really good. And you're, and my model's telling me
0: to take them a lot. And they can again as long as they're healthy, they continue to be fantastic. And you're right; that was something we talked about. In the offseason, definitely one of the nails we hit right in the head. So we're going to continue to play them, um, see how they go, see what happens. Um, but again, let's hope that they stay healthy and they're together just as they are come playoff time. Anything else in that game spread? No, not much.
1: I just thought it was a fun game. Um, the build up for it is like, you know, it reminded me of the playoffs. You know, TNT did a good job of, of making it feel that way as well um with their the way they're handling the game pregame, and uh, it was just a fun nba storyline and like a reason why i think that the nba re- regular season gets a bad rap and if you just uh relax and enjoy the games there's actually a lot of good entertainment going on
0: well let's move on to something a little more upsetting you know spread i gotta go down to the corner deli do you know why <laughs> why i gotta go get a 40 to pour out for blake griffin
1: oh okay i got you yeah poor blake it's uh you know he's a real athletic player,
0: and that athleticism seems to be about gone. On Tuesday, uh, the Pistons announced that the six-time All-Star underwent arthroscopic debridement of his left knee. Now, Spread, I know that you have a long and uh, well-documented medical career. So, can you explain to us what that means? <laughs> Oh, no, I'm actually not sure, but I just
1: don't think he's going to be jumping that much anymore, right?
0: No, no, it doesn't sound good. Whatever it is, it's you know they will. He's going to undergo quote an extended rehabilitation period, and no timetable is set for his return. Um, quite a shame from the player that we watch. You know, we got to grow up, watch grow up, having some of the best dunks we've ever seen. Um, I'll remember him always jumping over. Who's that great? Uh, was it Mozgov? He dunked over. That was absolutely incredible. Jumping over, oh, well, yeah. jumping over the side of the Kia. But that dunk contest in general, the one before that, uh, just one of the most athletic players. And then watching him adapt and and grow into the player who became as. A Clipper. Um, remember that season, Chris Paul gets hurt and Griffin actually basically takes over kind of point guard duties, leading the offense and just an incredible playmaker. I really enjoyed him in Detroit. You know, During the offseason, we were a little optimistic about Detroit because we thought maybe he might be healthy. Obviously, that is not the case. So any final thoughts and, and words on what might be the last of the great Blake Griffin?
1: Yeah, no, he had definitely had a fun career. He had a highlight career. I think that, um, unfortunately, it's going to, his career will probably kind of be forgotten. I can think of a lot of great players in the eighties the and nineties that never get mentioned anymore uh, because they just had kind of these um, fleeting bursts of brilliance and they were unable to, to sustain it for a long time. Um, so it's really too bad for Blake, too bad for NBA fans who like uh, his style of play. Well, what do you think this means for the Pistons moving forward?
0: Well, one of the things I wanted to ask you, I guess we've missed our superstar subtraction moment here. Cause they've been without Blake for a while, but yeah, I, I can't imagine that there's anything positive to say about the Pistons given this point. I mean, he's by far their best player. He's the one that makes them interesting. Um, I don't. I got nothing. I think that the Pistons are definitely a fade team. I think that this, you know, kind of makes the Eastern Conference playoff race even a little more boring than we thought it might be. Um, hard to think that anybody's going to jump up there and, and get ahead of the Nets at the eighth seed. I mean, maybe the Hornets kind of put it together, but I think it's time to write the Pistons off.
1: Oh, yeah, I've definitely written them off. I think they're one of the hardest teams to handicap, and that's why I was curious. I actually just leave them off because they seem to have, like, a real high variance. Um, Their games don't seem to come close to what I predict very often. You know how, like, a lot of games, like, you can be on the right side, but it's usually, like, one or two points. I mean, I'll miss them by, like, 14 points. That's Um, not good. That's a lot. Yeah, so I try to stay away from their games just because, I mean, they do crazy stuff. Like, what were they favored by seven last night, and they lost by four? Ridiculous. You know, just just stuff like that. Um, Drummond is an okay piece, but he's a center in a a small ball league. Um, Derek Rose still has skills, but you don't want him as the best player of your team. And then they basically just have inconsistent forwards. I think that they were counting on Kennard a lot to take that forward position, and they didn't have a lot of depth there to begin with. Losing him hurts a lot um don't really like capping the team so don't really have a lot of good insight i guess for the listeners but might be asking you for some advice if i do need to cap them some more because like i said i think they're really tough to cap
0: all right other topic we wanted to discuss the cavaliers in general kevin love behaving like a baby um john beeline saying thugs and or slugs and uh a a, in a team film session a lot going on in cleveland none of it sounds very good spread what are your thoughts on the cavaliers
1: I mean, they, now they have to sell love real quickly, right? I mean, with all this stuff going on. Uh, you have you to. Wait. you,
0: you got to get them away from that locker room. you got to get away from that yeah. team. Maybe put them on Waiters Island or wherever they yeah. put Dion Waiters. And, you know, just you sit here and you wait, and at some point we'll trade you hopefully. Well,
1: I'll tell you what, though. He actually did a pretty good job last night. I did have his game on against the Pistons. Um and he seemed like he was trying to play hard and play the team basketball to kind of make amends. He seems to realize he did what was wrong. So, I mean, I don't know if I would necessarily take away the playing time from him right now. But I still think you need to trade him as soon as possible because I also think that if you don't, it will happen again.
0: Absolutely. It's... If you haven't by now, get a chance to scour the internet. You won't have to look too hard to find the video of him walking over to Colin Sexton at the end of the game, just screaming at him for the ball and throwing it as hard as he could. I think it was to Seti Osman. Um, yeah. You know, just walking around on defense, standing with his hands, looking at the side sideline, complaining. It seems like Beeline's kind of lost the room.
1: Oh, he completely has. And, um, you know, it's funny, we were talking um... – on the, on the live show we do about the most likely, uh, college candidate to jump to the pros next and make an impact, you know, kind of like Brad Stevens did. And it's really hard to see because it's a lot harder to coach in the NBA. I would say that it's like exponentially harder, um, you know, than coach, you know, the leap from like, say high school to college. And I think that, uh, if you asked Mr. Uh, a beeline if he'd rather be back in Michigan
0: right now he surely would uh, that doesn't seem to be working out very well for either side so let's check in on the standings here not a ton of interesting things here from a playoff perspective quite yet the Bucks look like they have a pretty good hold on the one seed in the east then you've got the Heat Celtics Raptors and Sixers all kind of duking it out to see who can get to the second or third seed there any thoughts on that group and who might finish with the best record
1: Uh, right now I would say of those teams I would buy on the Sixers, um, sell on the Celtics because I think I overrated them and then sell on the Raptors because they, uh, the injuries bugs hit them pretty hard after that great start. They're nine and eight in their last 17 games. So they're more like the team that you capped them to be to start the season, um, than the team they showed to be when they were at full strength. So buy Sixers, sell on Celtics, Raptors, and pretty much stay
0: on the Bucks. So, spread, who do you think the favorite is to win the Atlantic Division? Mm, is it Boston? Boston's minus 110, Philadelphia's plus 140, and the Raptors are plus 400.
1: I don't mind a Philadelphia look right there because Boston's schedule is going to get harder. And I think we'd have, I don't know if we'd, I don't know if Philadelphia's off the top of my head, but my um, guess is when we, if I remember right, when we went over in the beginning of the season they had a pretty even schedule it wasn't like completely weighted like boston's and utah's were so um a buy order on the 76ers there to win the atlantic isn't a bad look especially if you already have the celtics earlier um and you followed on the pod then you'd have plus money on
0: pretty much only two reasonable options yeah the sixers here have had a few more games all of them at home actually four more games i'm sorry Yes, four more games, it looks like, than the Celtics. Actually, three more games than the Celtics have played. Unfortunately, all three losses. So the Celtics a little ahead from that standpoint. Um, but everything's really, really close here. And I think I do like that. Um, what do you think, Spread? Should we actually bet that?
1: Um, yeah, because I already have Celtics plus 400, right? So I'm locking in a profit now, right?
0: I think so. It's got to be one of those only And two I teams. can still
1: root for Boston. And then even if they don't do it, I've still got uh, a little point four units to pick up.
0: All right, let's put a full unit on the Sixers, then, plus 140 to win the Atlantic.
1: Okay, let's do it.
0: All right, beautiful. Now, looking at the rest of the Eastern Conference here, things look pretty much tied up. you have got the Pacers and the Magic there in the 6th and 7th spot. Maybe they, um, probably the Pacers stay where they are. I would imagine Orlando does as well. Then you've got the Nets at 16 and 20, um, followed. there are three games ahead of the Hornets and three, four games ahead of the Bulls. Do you see anybody sneaking up in the eight seed? Any concern that the Hornets might knock the Nets out of that spot?
1: Oh, yeah. And as much as it goes against my early season prediction, um, the Bulls are starting to come together as a team. Um, if you wait highly for last 10, the Nets are terrible. The Magic are actually pretty good. And the Pacers are about the same as they've been the whole season. Um, and I think that's actually about accurate is how I would treat them. Pacers, you know the same. Keep treating them the same way as you have been. Magic, you know, might be trying to buy a little more often. They've been playing much better defense. The Nets have been doing terribly. I don't know what's going on. I had them as my super proletarian pick of the day when everyone was on OKC. Um, I think it was on Sunday, and then Dinwiddie missed the free throw, and then he missed the final shot, and then the Thunder were able to steal it in overtime. So one of my seared in my memory is one of my worst NBA beats of the year, especially when I was trying to to be the cool Um Hornets, really, I think that we got them wrong, right? Wasn't there over? We were like uh, debating their over under of 24 and they're 15 already. What do you I think, think about I, Hornets? Yeah, I think
0: I had some Hornets under on the season. I'm hoping that they slow down a little bit. They do only have 15 wins at this point. Um, yeah. You know, we're not quite halfway through the season, but they played 40 games, so, you know, one shy yeah. half. So they're on there. pace
1: for 30 31 yeah. on a win total of 24, so they're exceeding expectations.
0: They are. Hopefully things slow down a little bit, but that's that's going to be a tough under to hit there. Um, impressed with them. A lot of the younger players are playing better. They seem to be organized. They play hard every night, which you know is a pretty big deal and matters, frankly. I think that they could probably catch the Nets. I know that I'm down on the Nets, that's for sure. Um, I think they actually get worse whenever it is Kyrie Irving does come back.
1: Yeah, that's going to be a weird integration period. Um, if they're already struggling, it's going to be okay. I think it would have been even weirder if they would have came in off the original surge that they got when he left. Um, But coming in struggling, I don't know if there'll be
0: as much uh, hesitancy to turn the team over to him. So quickly, before we jump into the West, odds to win the Eastern Conference, the Bucks are plus 110, Sixers plus 350, Celtics plus 450, the Heat plus 800, Raptors 10 to 1, Pacers 18 to 1, and everybody else is certainly well out of reason. Any of those numbers stick out to you? No,
1: because really like, okay, so what we've seen right now, right? In my mind... Originally, when we were talking about this before the season, I had it Bucks, Sixers, Celtics. Right mm-hmm. now, I make it Bucks, Sixers, Heat. Um, but I don't necessarily like the Heat enough. <sighs> you know, I guess if they stay in the two seed like they are now, it's a pretty good look because they could avoid. I just don't think they could beat the Sixers and the Bucks. They might be able to sneak, you know, one a series against one of them. Um, but that would be the only one that I'd be considering. What about you?
0: The Heat sticks out to me. I think that is the one to consider. If there is a move to be made, they've got a lot of pieces and a lot of interesting contracts that they could put together. Again, I'm not sure the name that they would be after, or what kind of player they'd even be looking for, but if they could put something together and make a move, that'd be interesting. But at eight to one, I'm fine to pass there.
1: Yeah. I don't necessarily think there's like super value, especially since um, there's not going to be a lot of hedge opportunities because even if the Heat were to have home court, I still think the Sixers would be, you know, favored in the series.
0: So. Heading over to the Western Conference. Lakers, the one seed with a four game lead over the Nuggets. Then you got the Clippers in the three spot. Rockets, Jazz, Mavericks, Thunder. That all feels pretty settled at this point. The Thunder have a five game lead over the eight seed. Now, Spread, do you know who the eight seed is? The Spurs. I know, right? How amazing is that? Quite a run by the Spurs. Let me see what their record is in the last 10 games they are well it's only 6 and 4 but it seems like they've been hot um what have you th- what have you thought about the Spurs do you think about them as as being able to hold on to this 8 seed or as you start to look we've got the Grizzlies and we've got the Grizzlies a game back we've got the Blazers and the and the Timberwolves only a game and a half back um can you see any either of those teams catching them Yeah obviously
1: I can but I think the Spurs are in a great position now they have a veteran team Um, The best coach of everyone we mentioned. I think the Blazers have more talent, um, but injury-wise and everything, they've been a dumpster fire. Their main way to come back would be to get Rodney Hood and Yusuf Nurchik back and try and work them in with Whiteside, although I'm still not sure how that's going to work, and I think that that still will take a transition period. Um, So, you know, talk about blowing it. They're blowing it, son. The Blazers blew it. They had a great opportunity this year. They screwed up their wing depth and their lack of defense is so obvious um to be fair i also gonna be putting a buy order in on the blazers though because they look so terrible right now on this road trip where they've been traveling all around once they get back home uh, i've been looking to get some plus money prices as everyone just thinks they're this terrible team i'm actually gonna be looking to back them when this road
0: trip ends but that's still not for a little while um
1: grizzlies i don't know what do you think about the grizzlies can they make a run
0: I think they can. That team is really interesting. They're really talented. I like the way it's put together. It's a nice mix of young guys and veterans. Um, mm-hmm. They're playing really fun and interesting brand of basketball. If there w- if I did have to pick a team between the Grizzlies, Blazers, and Timberwolves, I would pick the Grizzlies. But I think the Spurs kind of settle in here and find themselves a little bit um, and end up holding on to this eighth seed. I, I think that What we saw earlier in the year was a team trying to figure out what they are and how to put some of the pieces together, having guys coming back off injuries and things like that. But, you know, I I continue to have faith in the system.
1: You know, a team that I've got a buy order on that's at the bottom of these standings is the Pelicans. Uh, They've been playing really well lately. I think the addition of Derek Favors makes that a pretty solid team. I think he's actually kind of the veteran link they were missing, especially on the defensive end. Um, Brandon Ingram's developed into – um, a passable number one for a fringe playoff team probably have to be a number two on, on a serious playoff contender but uh, I think the Pelicans are actually starting to develop after being written off after that super poor start what do you think?
0: It's a nice starting five. Lonzo Ball, Drew Holiday, J.J. Redick, Brandon Ingram, and Derek Favors. You bring Etuan Moore off the bench, he's perfectly fine. Josh Hart, as nice as your seventh guy. Jackson Hayes, um, you know, say what you will about him. He plays some nice defense. Julia Okafor isn't the worst big man ever in the history of the world coming off the bench, which is uh, big, <laughs> big for me to say. It was hard for me to say that that nicely. Um,
1: he isn't the worst big man in the history of the world. No That's a ringing endorsement No he was for a while
0: <laughs> We should have had this podcast When he was on the Sixers it's, I spent the whole time to, We could uh, only time warp <laughs> uh, Maybe we'll do that one episode But um, it's, it's a nice starting five It's kind of similar with the Thunder have It's a little more u- upside obviously It's much different from a state of the team perspective but a couple decent players that are sort of putting together might look even more interesting when zion comes back you know I, i think that they will be competitive i like your point there they could be a good team to grab as a dog especially at home
1: yeah they're doing well and if you rate by last 10 and then you just sort by defensive rating um they went from basically a bottom five defensive team in the league um to a top 16 which doesn't sound much but they were one of the worst teams in the league defensively, and they've moved to average. And in the NBA, that means so much where average defense and, and awesome offense uh, can be a winning combination at home. So now they have the ability to home court. They can be a pest on the road. Uh, I, have, I have a buy order on the Pelicans, and I'm like I'm liking betting on them right now.
0: Looking at the division prices, not much sticks out to me. Um, the only question I have for you there, Sprite is what would you make the odds for the Mavericks to win their division they are one game behind I'm sorry two games behind the Rockets in the standings
1: uh, I bet you it's not enough to get me to do it it's probably what plus 180 plus
0: 185 good guess
1: yeah I don't I don't think they're going to they're regressing right now Um, if you sort you know they had such a great start and then in the second half if you took the, this season as a whole and just took the second half so I guess you'd be sorting by about last 20 um, they're just above 500. Um, it was weird that the plus minus with Porzingis, um, when he was you know on the team and playing a lot, this plus minus was negative, right? So you're thinking, oh, they're okay without Porzingis. He's actually a negative. But now that he's gone, you see a bunch of stuff that didn't show up on the stat sheet, and that's um, the amount of rebounds they get. So their rebounding is down. Um, whether he was just boxing out and letting the other guys get the boards or what their rebounding has gone from um, being like a top five rebounding team to a bottom five rebounding team. And this is only a sample size of the last five games and their points given up in the paint is the worst in the league in these recent five games that he's been out. So, um, you know, I think that he was doing a lot of things for that team that didn't show up on the stat sheet. And if he has a prolonged absence, they could be in trouble. And I don't know if he's coming back anytime soon. Do you? Do you? Have you heard anything positive on that front?
0: No, I have not. And I echo a lot of yeah. your concerns. So,
1: you know, Luke is great, and they got some great role players. But with him, you know, he's trying to pretty much carry that team Giannis style, and he doesn't have the shooters around him. And um, the, the players around him don't have the same defensive acumen that the players on the Bucks do, so I think it's just too much for him to do on his own. It would be great for us to fans' watch, great for League Pass, because he's going to be going off doing everything. Uh, but, yeah, I really think that this team is kind of leveling off to our expectations that we had for them preseason. Remember, we were kind of questioning. We kind of had them around 500 and having them as like a fringe 8 eight seed when we were discussing things, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I think they might be returning to that. Now if Porzingis comes back, I think they can become um, a top team, but I wouldn't
0: want to invest on them because I don't. I wouldn't want to invest on Porzingis' knee right now. I think they hang right where they are, somewhere between the four and the sixth seed, and we'll see how that shakes out. A lot depends on health. Um, but only other thing from a Western Conference perspective, both L- L- L.A. teams still favor to win the Western Conference. Lakers plus one ninety, Clippers plus two hundred, then you get the Rockets plus five twenty five, Nuggets seven and a half to one, Mavericks ten to one, Jazz twelve to one. Those all feel just about right to me. Any anything to add?
1: No, I don't I don't think that there's really that much value unless you try to do like an arbitrage thing like we had with the Atlantic division. Um but really, you know, other than you know a couple going up and a couple down going down, I think in the West our expectations I have pretty much been met except for the fact that it's not um, as deep a conference as we, t- as we thought. And that, you know, from six on down uh, it kind of drops off much more steeply than we expected during the preseason.
0: Absolutely. All right. A lot of time spread we go through and we talk about who the uh, rating leaders are for this season, but I thought it might be fun to actually filter on the last 30 days. Now the Milwaukee okay. bucks have the highest net rating of the last 30 days of the 9.2. Who is second? Mm, let's see. The Lakers had a little skid. Uh, Clippers don't play. Consistently Lakers are
1: 7th. Clippers are 3rd. Uh, the Mavericks kind of returned to earth. Who's like the hottest team? Mavericks are 11th. Um. All right. I don't want to spend too much time on this. Is it the Heat? The Utah Jazz. Really? Yeah, with an 8.2. We kind of glossed over that they've kind of brought things together, too. And... Um, Boy, <laughs> Mike Conley, I don't know how much he was helping that team because they look a lot better without him with Joe Ingles in the starting lineup because then you have Mitchell, who's an explosive creator uh, at the point, and then he's surrounded by two shooters in the starting lineup with Bogdanovich and Ingles. Uh, I think the space looks beautiful with uh, with Mitchell running the point, and he's been doing pretty well. So, interesting to see how they work Conley back in when he comes back.
0: Absolutely. It'll, um, I wonder if they'll try to bring him off the bench. Now, who's the worst team in the league? And they are the worst by quite a bit. The Hawks. They are minus 10.7, 4.1 yeah. points worse than the Pistons. Now over the last month, spread, who has the best offensive rating? Mm, the Mavericks still? Denver Nuggets. Oh, wow. Yeah, Nuggets, oh, Jazz, thing. Rockets, Spurs, and the Grizzlies. So some interesting names there, some of the teams that you see they are hot. Who has the worst offensive rating? Over the last month, of course. Uh, the Warriors? The Nets. Really? Yeah, Nets, Hawks, wow. Warriors, Timberwolves, Bulls in reverse <laughs> order. Now, defensive rating. Who's got the best defensive rating? Probably Milwaukee. Yep, followed by the Raptors, the Nets, the Bulls for some reason, and the Thunder. Uh, who's got the worst defensive rating? Probably Atlanta. The Wizards of Washington. Oh, okay. <laughs> followed by the <laughs> Pistons, close. Cavaliers, Suns, right and Nuggets. <laughs> All right, and let's see. Actually, let's do Pace, too. Who's the fastest team?
1: Hmm, that's fine. Um I would say it's either Dallas,
0: Milwaukee, Milwaukee's Dallas fourth. Milwaukee. Milwaukee is, is it fourth, Dallas, Dallas is eighteenth. It's the Hawks, oh, the wow. Grizzlies, the Clippers, the Bucks, and the Nets. I was surprised to see the Clippers in there. And who do you think the slowest team is? Uh the Warriors? Hornets, Nuggets, Heat, Jazz, and Sixers. So some of the better teams there. Mm. That's pretty interesting. All right, spread uh, not too much else to talk about. We do have a couple lines for games tomorrow, which will be Saturday. I think maybe we'll yeah. see what our schedules look like. Try to do a Periscope on Sunday for the Sunday games. But we got three lines right now. Detroit hosts Chicago. Detroit minus three and a half. Oh, what a terrible game. Do you really want to talk about that?
1: Yeah, help me because I can't cap Detroit for anything. So what, what do you think of this game?
0: I think it's Bulls or Pass. I don't really know what to do with the Pistons either. This is just kind of a mess of a game, but it's it's tough to trust either team. The Bulls have been playing a if little bit better lately. If you drop your numbers up,
1: what do you have? Chicago's home road splits up.
0: Um, uh, you know I don't. Let me see real quick though. For the last month or so, um, net rating for the Bulls. Point six net rating for the pistons much worse than that minus 6.6 so i think it's bulls or pass
1: yeah um i don't know i don't really take like taking chicago on the road but they have been playing much better lately i'll still take detroit the home team all
0: right we'll split there i don't think we're actually making a wager though
1: yeah, that's fine. I don't really want to make a play on that game either. I just thought it'd be fun to talk about just because it illustrates the trouble I have capping this team, Detroit. I mean, I think they could come out and either win by 10 or like lose by 10. Uh, one thing I do notice about Chicago is they do kind of, they don't have, they don't finish games very well. So on the games they win, they usually are in blowouts. Um, if yep. you like live betting then and, and they uh, get ahead by a small amount, sometimes it's good to come back on the other team if you can get above like plus 175. Because
0: uh, a lot of times their offense really stalls up in the last three minutes. It really does. If you do bet the Bulls and you get a chance live to take Detroit a plus money at any point, go ahead and do that and open yourself the middle. Because the Bulls that, really fall off a cliff. That's at the actually end.
1: the best way to attack the game. Take the Chicago money line. <laughs> see if you can come back on Detroit. You know, you get plus money on both ways, and then you don't have to to see how horrible this game's going to
0: end. Philadelphia visits Dallas. Mavericks are two-point favorites at home. What do you think there? So And Dallas will be coming off the game tonight
1: against the Lakers, which should be a pretty big emotional game, right? Philly is having the night off, and they'll be traveling. So I think the fatigue uh, is about equal. I don't know if the home court will matter as much. I think it's a fantastic matchup. I think it's really interesting, right? We're going to assume that both big men are going to be out, right? We'll assume that yep. Embiid and Porzingis will both still miss time. Should be a great small ball matchup. You can see, um, you know, it should be a lot of fun. Simmons is kind of a little better at getting to the rim and being creative um, to, to find ways to attack in the transition. And Doncic is uh, the more traditional basketball player, basketball player and, and the better shooter. We get, should get a chance to see them square off. I think – that the difference in this game will be that Simmons will have a lot more help on him. You keyed on it when talking about um, the Boston game last night. Josh Richardson has really turned himself into a weapon. Uh, Tobias Harris, as maligned as he is, is probably still better than any other player, role player on the Mavericks. I think he's still probably a little better than Tim Hardaway Jr. And uh, the Sixers' depth should cause them problems with about the rest same, I think I might like Philly on the road here. Are you worried about taking your
0: hometown heroes on the road? Now, I want to preface this with the fact that I have been stone-cold, dead wrong about the Sixers just about every time I've ever talked about them. (laughs) Um, But I love this spot. I think this is a great spot for the Sixers. I don't care that they're on the road. They had the night to travel. I think that this will be one of the toughest games Doncic has played all year. The Sixers have a lot of big, long, athletic bodies to throw at him. They'll put Richardson on him for a little bit. I hope Simmons will have him most, if not all, the game. Thibel will come off the bench and guard him for a little while. And between Horford and Pell, um, say what you will about Norvell Pell, he, he's a rim protector. Both of those guys no, are, are going to keep the rim clean and, and contest every single shot at the basket. So I think Doncic is going to have pretty, uh, pretty tough road to hoe tomorrow. And I like this, I like the Sixers.
1: Yeah. Okay. Cool. So I'm down to make that one a play. We can get that one in early. Um, what do you think, I Sixers? Think was, uh, we'll go Sixers plus two. For or, or do you want the money line night tonight?
0: What's up? You want Sixers plus two, or let me see what the money line looks like? It's probably like I'd rather just take the points.
1: I'm seeing two and a half. Yeah. But plus I'd plus one ten.
0: Let's see. Where's two and a half? I'm looking. I got SBR up right now. Where do you see a two and a half? I got plus yeah, twos across the. I got plus twos across the board.
1: Maybe I'm looking at a stale
0: line. Let me refresh. Yeah. Okay. It was stale. Okay. All right. So let's. Go I had my Sixers. old bookmaker out for an hour. We'll go Sixers plus two on the road against the Dallas Mavericks. Um, I like that. It's minus one ten, so one point one units to win a unit there for us. Um, I think that that's a good look, but um, we'll see how it goes. Maybe I'll finally get a Sixers game, right, spread. Yeah, well, because I'm
1: helping you out, and I have a little more unbiased opinion. It's like me trying to bet the Kings. They piss me off so bad that sometimes I have a bad – I I don't handicap their games as well.
0: Now, the Trailblazers are finally back home. We've talked about how excited you are to bet them. They're getting four and a half points at home (laughs) hosting the Bucks of Milwaukee.
1: <laughs> not in this game. Um, even though Milwaukee will be on the back-to-back uh, Portland, just get me back from a road trip. It's their first game back. So sometimes that doesn't give you as much as uh, rest as possible. And let's be honest, Milwaukee shit's a horrible matchup, right? I mean, they're faster. They're longer. They shoot better. They defend better. Um, I mean, really Portland's only chances for Milwaukee um, to look ahead or just dame to have like um, a supernova game where he drops 50 but chances of that happening are real low what line do you have I don't see one for that
0: four and a half was the spread I had oh I, I think that's I, like I think it. that's a stay away uh, if anything sell some points with Milwaukee like maybe get it all the way out to five and a half maybe like five and a half you get the plus 105. Um, something oh yeah like that uh, it just if keep it under six maybe even take it out just to six i would take it out to five and a half if i was going to do anything but on the back-to-back portland first game home off a long road trip there's has
1: milwaukee been overlooking teams though they seem to be taking the regular season pretty seriously
0: they are and i think that they will come out and play hard i i like i like the bucks i don't like them enough to make a wager
1: all right, well, let's see if uh, things change before then. But uh, I like the Bucks too. I think the Portland team is still tired, and we'll see that. A lot of times I like to attack the Bucks in the first half, um, you know, to get the shorter line and not have to deal with the garbage time when they're blowing teams out. I did that tonight, taking them the first half against the Kings. But in this case, I would not. I still think Portland's a tired team. I watched them last night. They looked exhausted against Minnesota. That was an easy cash. Um you know, no sweat at all. And they just looked exhausted. I still think that they will be pretty tired. And, um, so I'm going to take full game to try and take advantage of the fatigue there.
0: All right, spread anything else before we wrap?
1: No, I think it was good to get back. Uh, hear your thoughts. You know, that way I can get balanced. I just don't get too um, West coast bias and all my NBA opinions. So I get balanced out with a little, uh, no nonsense East coast thinking. So it's good to talk to you about the, uh, about the NBA, and I'll be looking forward to doing it again real soon.
0: I think we'll be back into the swing of things. Hopefully we'll do our next podcast probably early on Wednesday. Try to do, um, you know, get back to doing our Thursday periscopes. Like I said, we'll try to see if we have time to do one on Sunday. But it is great to get back to talking about the NBA. We'll be back in a couple days to talk about women's tennis. Um, thanks again, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate it. If you could, give us a rating, or review on whatever app or uh, you're using to listen. And follow us on Twitter at Net Worth Pod, That way you can get all our picks. You can find a log and a record of how we've